Yeah, good morning and welcome. Happy Friday. The best day of the week. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, live on this gorgeous Friday morning. Going to get a little hot and by Friday afternoon, but we'll take it. The sun is out. The birds are chirping. And I woke up today, and that just beats the alternative. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The website, at allamericangold.com. And, God, we got a lot of ground to cover. Amazon just crushing numbers uh, after the bell yesterday. Uh, the Dow's actually still down today, but Amazon, they're... They're talking maybe the first trillion dollar company. That was the good news. The bad news, PetSmart and Bed Bath & Beyond. Maybe beyond help. Both of them, uh, bonds are rolling over. Uh, they could both be filing bankruptcy, rising interest rates, just killing uh, both of those companies. Of course, PetSmart here local. Uh, we'll have to keep our eyes on on both of those. Uh, but the news of the day: a uh, huge blowout quarter from Amazon, and and right on that, they're going to raise membership rates by twenty bucks. <laughs> so let's say Doctor Evil is going to make even more money. Maybe just maybe somebody at the post office can uh, go talk to Amazon and say, "Hey, you know what? Now you actually need to cover costs." on on packages shipped but uh nonetheless that is where we're at gold's higher today uh gold's up about five five or six bucks uh thirteen hundred twenty three dollars uh silver's at sixteen dollars and forty one cents late yesterday we were able to uh this was an uh, an estate uh not a customer of ours but uh uh, a referral, and there was a big liquidation, and I shouldn't say big, yeah, it was fairly big, uh, liquidation, this was an IRA, again, this was not one of our customers, uh, but the apparently whoever it was that they had been doing business with went out of business, uh, and we had, uh, the whole IRA was full of proofs. What we, we ran these uh, in the Colorado hour yesterday. What's left of them I'm going to run this morning. Uh, and, and here's what we have left. I have six 1986, which would be the very first year of issue, which is always, you know, always good to, to have the first year of something, I guess. Uh, six one-ounce Proof American Gold Eagles. These are 1986s in the box with the certificate. And they're going to be $1,400, which by itself is ridiculous. Uh, the fact that you can buy a proof American Gold Eagle for less than a Gold Eagle, uh, $1,400 is what a St. Gaudens would cost. Uh, and you get the box and the certificate. I've got six of those. Then I have five two-piece sets. These are also proofs. This has the one ounce and the half ounce. 
for $2,100. So now I'm going I'm to let you buy the one ounce for $1,400, which is ridiculous, and give you the half ounce for $700. Uh, no premium whatsoever. That's an even better buy. Then the best buy that I have, I've got a couple of 1991 and a couple 1992 four-piece sets. Again, these are all proof gold. They all come with the box and the certs, the four-piece set. You get the one ounce, the half ounce, the quarter ounce, and the tenth ounce. Again, all of it, that's 1.85 ounces of gold, all of it for 1400 bucks. So a four-piece set, yeah, it costs 2590 but that's the, that's the best deal of them all. Because now you're buying a tenth ounce for 1400 bucks, you're buying a quarter ounce for 1400 bucks an ounce, a half ounce for 1400 bucks an ounce, you, you just can't beat it. That's why we're the best in the business. But this is all I have. I don't have any extra. So I've got five two-piece sets, six, uh, the just the Gold Eagle, the Proof Gold Eagle of 1986, the first year of issuance. And then I've got a couple of those four-piece sets, 1991 and 1992s. Uh, and when they're gone, that's it. And I'm gonna. I'm telling you right now, you can't buy proof gold eagles like this. It just doesn't happen. Take advantage of it. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. So Amazon came out with a, with a great quarter, and, and the GDP number came out this morning. So this was the first read. Uh, first quarter GDP growth. Now remember, a couple of months ago there, oh, the Atlanta Fed GDP is going to be 5.4%. And of course I said, hey, calm down. It's not going to do that. Uh, but it came in at 2.3. So 2.3% GDP growth, uh, which for a first quarter, it's okay. But it's not three, four, or five. We'll break down the details. But before we get back, take the time. Buy, buy some of these proof gold eagles. You'll be glad you did. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. 800 I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Obviously, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining how great of a deal these things really are. In the 15 years I've worked here, cost, just what they would cost, was never this inexpensive. You think about it, it's what, $74, $75, $76 over spot, okay? Just buying a regular gold deal for that price would be great. Proof, I would pay. A hundred to two hundred dollars over spot for, like I said, for fourteen of the fifteen years that I've worked here. You're buying these essentially below cost. 
and actually not essential, you are buying them below cost. Go out to the Mint website and see what they're charging for a proof 2018, and you'll understand the value. So if you're looking at an opportunity, this is it. 800 951 These are the proof gold eagles, and I've got three different kinds. I've got the one ounce. 1986, but you think about, you know, that's 20, what, 20, if I can do math, 14 plus 18, right? That's uh, 32, <laughs> 32 years ago, the very first year. Remember, the government stopped minting gold, obviously, in 1933, right, because they took it all. Then it was illegal to own gold. From 1933 to 1971, the only thing you could own was collectibles. Then, of course, when we closed the gold window and we got this huge debt bubble that's getting ready to unwind and go the other way. You could buy, like, maple leaves or Krugerrands, but we didn't mint gold. Uh, Ronald Reagan, actually, was the president who signed uh, into legislation in 1986 was the first year that the United States uh, started minting gold again. Uh, the 1986 proof gold eagle 1400. Then I've got the 1987 the two piece set at 2100. And then I've got a couple of the four piece sets. Which, uh, if you're looking at it, if you said to me which one would you buy first, it'd be the four piece set. So just so you know. I took a four-piece set. That's how good of a deal it is. At 800-951-0592. U.S. first quarter GDP, 2.3%. Not four, not five. You notice you don't hear anyone talking about four or five anymore. And when they first, you know, got you to go all in on these tax cuts, they are saying, oh, well, we're 3%. No, we're going to go four or five, and now they're just talking about three. But the devil's always in the details. So this was the slowest quarter in a year. But here was the bad. I'll give you the bad and the good. The bad part, consumer spending. The weakest pace in five years. And and remember, I've been talking about this, and I've been telling you the consumer is max. I mean, right, we know the, the teachers, the schools are closed here in Arizona, right? The teachers want more money. Uh, everybody everybody wants more money. Everybody, Nobody wants to work two and three jobs, but this is just how it is. The setback is hopefully temporary when they talk about consumer spending. Matter of fact, when you put it inflation into it, consumer spending was negative. Right, you think about gas prices were rising the whole first quarter, uh, and for consumer spending to be as bad as it was kind of reflects that. The 2.3% annual uh, rate of increase, according to the Commerce Department, is a, for the snapshot. Remember, you got to take 2.3. It's annualized, so you divide that by four to get the one, you know, the quarterly growth. Uh, the econo- the economy grew 2.9 percent in the in the fourth quarter. The first quarter, uh, talking about uh, business inventory, was the big gainer. So, 
We'll have to see what that does. That means everybody, right, in anticipation of business being better, kind of restocked the warehouses. Uh, hopefully, uh, that will lead to better sales coming into the second quarter. So right now, uh, 2.3 in the first quarter. Uh, we'll see what happens for for the second quarter. Early indications, the only thing I, I know, uh, second quarter, We'll see how housing does. Uh, housing confidence falling for builders today. They're worried about uh, rising rates. And uh, uh, we're going to get car sales here, I think, next week for April. Those also appear to be heading lower. I don't know if you saw Ford's getting out of the car business. Did you see that? They're going to make the only cars they're going to make, the Mustang and one other. And apparently they're going to stop selling cars altogether, uh, essentially saying, hey, listen, we can't make money. We can't make money selling cars in North America. Uh, that, that came out earlier this week, so we'll have to see what effect that is going to have. Uh, but nonetheless, sec- first quarter GDP, I'll call it in line, you know, not bad. Uh, nowhere near where they were hoping, but 2.3%. The bad part consumer spending was the lowest in five years uh and then one of the things that i talk about a lot you know talking about all the blue state people moving right moving into to to arizona and colorado and texas and bringing all of their failed policies with it cnbc wrote an article yesterday saying that eight 100,000 people are about to flee New York and California. If this is true, this is going to make the debt problems significantly worse because, you know, these blue states, they owe a ton of money, and if the populations really do what they're saying, then there's going to be big trouble. Art Laffer and Stephen Moore. Now, I'll say this. I don't love Art Laffer. But Stephen Moore, I've got a lot of respect for that guy. They were, they are the ones that are making the prediction, and they in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal titled "So Long California, Sayonara New York." And you know what? I, I wonder what they think. Uh, Illinois, it's already happening, right? They're, they're, <laughs> Illinois got negative growth. Say that the new tax bill will cause 800,000 people to move out of New York and California in the next three years alone. I'm going to tell you right now, here's one of the things. I don't know so much about New York. Of course, that's my home state, right? I was an upstater. My mom uh, lives in, in Syracuse still to this day, and I love uh, Syracuse University. I'm a huge Syracuse fan. But I will tell you, I know for a fact, property taxes in New York are outrageous. But California, you got big problems. So one of the things in this tax bill was the what they called the SALT deduction. Okay, that's your state and local taxes. That's what SALT stood for, state and local taxes. You used to be able to write all of that off. So these failed blue states where they just keep hitting you with this tax and that tax and the other tax, you could 
you used to be able to write all of that off on your federal taxes. Now you only can write off the first 10000 And that is significant. Now, for a guy making 50000 that probably has no effect, right? Because they're like, well, you know, I, I don't own a home, so I'm not paying property tax and, and all the other taxes that probably won't get to the 10000 But for all the wealthier people, this is a huge issue. And I just know this, in California in the next three, well, actually two years, CalPERS is going to be demanding a 50% increase from the cities of California to their pension funds. How are they going to pay for it? Right? Obviously, they're going to raise taxes, and none of these taxes, right, are going to be able to be written off. And this is why Laffer and Moore are saying this is going to lead to a max, uh, a mass exodus. High earners in California. The effective income tax rate will jump from eight and a half percent to thirteen. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, wealthy Manhattanites will face a similar increase. And they're saying that uh, in the years to come, millions of people, thousands of businesses, and tens of billions of dollars of net income will be fleeing these two states alone. Connecticut, New Jersey, and Minnesota are going to lose 500,000 people. So you start putting these blue states together, you know where they're coming. I'm going to tell you right now, all you blue staters, right, leave your failed policies behind. I don't think it's going to happen. They're they're slowly uh, quiet, not even quietly. They're becoming the majority now. But they say that 3.5 million Americans have moved from the highest tax states to the lowest tax states, and they say the trend is just getting started. So here's what they say. According to the latest data, New York added 300,000 millionaires. California added 730,000 millionaires. Right, most of that, were, I'll call them the, the tech bubble and the stock billionaires. And now they say they're all getting ready to hit the exit door. So if you're tired of the blue staters, I got I got news for you. They're coming. They're coming in big numbers. And and what that's going to do to those pension systems in those states is going to be disastrous. Uh, and it's one of those things. I don't know how that works. I, I, I really don't, but think about it. If you're, and these are people, listen, these are wealthy people, right? People that, you know, they can afford to move, right? Most, most of us are like, you know, come on, that does, I can't move. I got by the time I sell my house and do this and that, I got to get another job, right? That's not likely, not these guys, right? These, these are, you know, the millionaires. They're all coming and they're all going to be, you know, bringing their, I hate to say it, they're liberal thoughts to to our conservative states, uh, but Laffer and Stephen Moore today, 
and maybe it was yesterday, in the op-ed of the Wall Street Journal saying hundreds of thousands. What made it more worrisome to me was the timeline and how quickly it's going to happen. And, I, and of course, I know what California is going to be facing, and so I believe it. I really do. I mean, I, who wants to pay more when you don't have to? 800-951-0592. Of course, we had the red for Ed out. Uh, the teachers all were out marching. Schools are closed. And you think about the governor's already said, hey, we'll give you 20%. Who's going to pay for that? You notice how they haven't talked about it. I wish they would. Right, and, the, and of course, they're, they're trying to say, well, we'll do it with GDP growth, and we know that doesn't work. But even the fact that 20% isn't enough, how much is it really going to be? And this is, this is my point. Listen, this, it's not just teachers. It's all of us. Everybody, you know, you start thinking about the people that you know, you think about your neighbors, you think about how many people are working multiple jobs. Mom and dad are both working. I mean, just to have these things. And, and, and again, a testament to everybody, especially here in Phoenix, that's trying to help out so these kids have somewhere to go because nobody's home because both parents are working. Again, those are the heroes out there. 800 This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now, continuing that legacy, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The late Phyllis Schlafly knew that Americans care about the threat of globalism. In her best-selling 1964 book, A Choice Not an Echo, Phyllis exposed that globalists of both parties conspired to make sure that only their candidate picks stood a chance in the political system. Phyllis brought the fight home by telling conservatives that their efforts to make America great were being thwarted by a rigged system. The purpose of the August 2016 Phyllis Schlafly Report, the last issue Phyllis ever personally authored, was to say Donald Trump fights the globalists just as she did. Globalism is one of those things that we Americans care about. Trump received enthusiastic support when he said in 2016 that, quote, we will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. The now famous Brexit vote in the UK served as a poignant premonition of the America First phenomenon happening in the United States. With that same ferocious passion for national sovereignty, Donald Trump sees victory in the 2016 presidential election over the very face of globalism. With hindsight unknown to even Phyllis when she wrote the August 2016 Phyllis Schlafly Report, we can see that she was right about President Trump. One of his very first actions as president was to pull the United States out of the terrible trade deal known as TPP. Trump has worked hard to secure bilateral trade deals which protect American interests. He's also fostered a business climate in our nation that makes corporations want to stay here. They know business is booming in America again, and they want to be a part of it. When it comes down to it, anyone can see that Phyllis Schlafly was right about globalism in 2016, just as she was right about it in her very first Phyllis Schlafly report in 1967. Americans want to know that their interests come first. 
We don't want to play second fiddle to corporations, other nations, immigrants, or anyone else. We want our nation's elected officials to look out for us. Phyllis sparked that energy in 1964, and she fanned the flames until her death in 2016. This marks 50 years of the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, mailed, broadcast, and posted online to millions of Americans eager to follow her traditional conservative perspective. We continue that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com, archiving the past, addressing today's key issues, and staying alert for the future. So bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Pedro Radio News Hour. Gold's up six now, 1324 Don't let these proof gold eagles pass you by. Uh, $1,400 an ounce, depending on which ones you get. Uh, but they're all $1,400 an ounce, uh, whether you get the four-piece set, the two-piece set, the, or just the gold eagle itself. Proof gold eagles at $76 over spot. And I, and I just laugh because... For pretty much most of my time here, retail on a proof of any kind, I don't care if it was a one-ounce, a two-piece two or a four-piece set, three, 350 over spot. I mean, several different times that, that, that I've been here, you were seeing proofs like 500 to 600 over because uh, – you know, there's just not that many. You know, they they make a limited amount, and and when there's nothing out there, you can see these premiums jump up. And I, I will tell you this, uh, and this is the second time we've run some proofs. When I see a big pop in it, I'll let you know. But this is very similar uh, to remember the rhodium that we ran, and it was I think we sold rhodium for like six hundred bucks, and now rhodium's like eighteen hundred. Uh, but this is similar to that, not. Not uh, that big, but, I, I mean, just naturally without even a, a move in gold price. Okay, in other words, you go back through, and I know in talking to Eric, going back through the whole 22 years that we've been in business, 23 years, whatever it is, you're talking about a price we've never seen as far as uh, being this close to the spot price. And in, in a normal market, which, by the way, I think by the end of the year, it's going to be back. That's how quick this, these, these things are going to turn. Uh, even without a gold move, I'd be normally buying, like I said, I'd probably be buying these things back at, I don't know, fourteen seventy-five, maybe $1,500. Uh, so for being able to buy them for $1,400 uh, is the way, you know, that's how you take advantage of something where, you're buying things not only just not only below cost, but then when you look at the historical, uh, and you go back twenty and thirty years and say, "Man, it's never been this expensive." That's when you want to be the buyer of it all. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. At the beginning of the show, I talked about PetSmart. Okay, now PetSmart is a local. Uh, they got a big facility right off the I seventeen and the one hundred and one up here in the North Valley. PetSmart's owners thought embracing e-commerce would would keep it competitive in the age of Amazon. 
two chief executives and three billion dollars later they're discovering it takes a lot more than web smarts to outrun the avalanche of debt now this is what i've been talking about we're giving you exam or i haven't given you any exams but i've been talking about zombie companies and, I, and I've been telling you about 20% of all publicly traded companies fall into this category, which is they're, they're just loaded with debt. And the only reason they're around is because the interest rates were so low they could just keep rolling it over. And, and these companies, they don't buy debt or go into debt like you do. In other words, when you buy a house and you have a 30-year fixed mortgage, that's not how Wall Street debt works. This is all short-term stuff, so you constantly got to gotta refinance it, refinance it, refinance it, and, and not really refinance Roll it over, roll it over, roll it over. But when the rates start rising, when you go to roll it over, well, the payments rise. And now PetSmart, is having a big problem. The nation's leading pet supplier has to figure out how to pay $8.1 billion in bond and loan maturities, even as its sales and margins are declining. Half of the debt traces back to a 2015 buyout by private equity firm BC Partners, and this is one of the things the Fed did again. Right, I talk about the teachers, right? You marched on the Capitol, you just marched to the wrong place. Right, where we're, all of us should be marching is to the Federal Reserve, right? They're the ones that are making it to where everybody in America essentially has got to work two and three jobs just to make ends meet. And then it allowed for this stuff. Equity firms buying out good companies and doing it all with debt, right? No cash, just debt. So in 2015, they bought out PetSmart, saturated it with debt. The rest of it was intended as an Amazon beater, spending $3.4 billion for Chewy.com, right? We, you see those commercials, right? That's PetSmart. And, and, uh, some of PetSmart's securities, this is how bad it is, some of PetSmart's securities are now trading at half of face value, yielding 21.2% interest. PetSmart, one of the starkest examples yet, afflicting all of the big box chains that specialize in, you know, certain types of goods, like one type of good. Bed Bath & Beyond is in here, Toys R Us, Sports Authority, Circuit City, right? The, uh, all the bookstore companies, Borders, and all that stuff, all of these fit into those. So get ready. You know, now they're talking about, hey, is the Fed going to have to raise rates three times or four times the GDP numbers by the way inflation was hot again in that GDP number and I've been telling you and I've been warning this is a stagflationary event and you're starting to see more and more people now starting to realize what's coming 
but we've got a we got a huge debt problem. Put it this way: PetSmart can't take three or four rate hikes. They're going to be out of business. Well, at least, well, if nothing else, they're going to have to file for for bankruptcy protection. Uh, if their bonds are only traded at fifty cents on the dollar, yeah, you kind of know they got a problem. And you start thinking about all of this debt. Right, we got record high debt, record high debt on Wall Street. Record high debts at uh, uh, on the national level. Record high unfunded liabilities, not only at the national level but all at the city and state levels. Now you've got government workers out on strike because they want more money. Everybody else out in America, all of us want more money, but that's really treating the symptom. Why do all of us need more money? If I'm making the same amount this year as I made last year and the year before and the year before that, why is my standard of living continuing to fall? You can your central bank. 800-951-0592. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back right after the break. 800-951-0592. Uh, the other day, this was, uh, I want to, give me a second here. I know it's live radio and I should be better prepared. Uh, Bank of America. After uh, Jeffrey Gunlatch came out, and remember, uh, one of my favorites, right? This guy knows his stuff and reiterated his $1,000 gold move and talking about everyone's going to be getting out of equities and they're not going to go to the bond market and actually said when you factor in having to hedge uh, when you buy U.S. Treasuries, it's the, the least attractive asset out there. Uh, then Bank of America's uh, Barnaby Martin he, he wrote uh, in a note to his client very similar thoughts. For years, the U.S. Treasury bond market has been seen as a safe haven, a high-quality asset that would rally in times of market stress and offer welcome diversification for investors' risky portfolios. Okay? And this is what they've told us uh, that the bond market was. And, and, and Barnaby Martin is saying, hey, this, is, this was the old treasury market. He now says that traditional feelings and roles of U.S. Treasuries is now changed. Treasury be, uh, treasury performance has been akin to a risky asset. Our U.S. rate team have highlighted numerous reasons for structural upward pressure, uh, pressure on treasury yields. So he's talking about Bank of America's internal team. Right, their their group of what I would call the MIT mafia, and they're talking about this debt market, 
And I'm telling you right now, I've been telling you now for a couple of years, this is a debt problem, people. And this is what the central bank has done for us. It's the exact same reason why all of these teachers walked out of the classroom. They just don't know that it's why. And they talked about the the Fed reducing its balance sheet. They talked about the huge jump in U.S. budget deficit numbers. Then they started talking about all of a sudden that dreaded stagflationary words. What's changed? Quite simple. The arrival of American debt. And talking about uh, America first, because now people have started to realize, uh uh-oh, we got a problem. And according to Bank of America, anyway, they're saying that the U.S. Treasury market, they no longer consider it to be a safe place to be. And you think about what Jeff Gunlatch said and what we talked about earlier this week. And his quote, we won't see a bid for safety out of stocks and into bonds. That was the old regime. We won't see a bond market rally. What we are going to see is that money coming out of bonds and going into gold. And now Bank of America, they didn't go that far, right? They didn't say that. Instead, what Bank of America said was, hey, you know what? Our bond market team, yeah, we don't view treasuries as a safe place to be anymore. In other words, we don't see treasuries as a place where you're going to be able to hide if Wall Street starts to unravel. And then they started talking about the reasons for it. And it's all debt, right? The the huge jump. We haven't even, you know, and I guess this is the other part. You haven't even seen the big move in the U.S. debt yet. 2018, I, I've been telling you, that's just any number one. <laughs> you know, because they always like to use the baseball analogy. What inning are we in and the recovery and this, that, the other? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, this is just any number one. Wait till you see what's happening in 2020, 2022, and 2024, and 2026. And right, all of those those years in between, uh, there's only going to be one safe place to be. And that's something that's not in the debt market. Right? You're not, I mean, will Amazon still be kicking the snot out of people? Probably. Right? Maybe they'll, they'll make it. Uh, but everybody else, probably not. And that's the scary part. When you start thinking about where are these people going to go, then you start thinking about PetSmart. $8 billion of debt payments? $8 billion? And then you think about all of the other big box places that are right behind it, and you see all the things that are having Subway's closing 500 restaurants. I forgot about that one as well. I don't know. I mean, you, you, you just see when you when you brought rates to nothing, 
Right? Think about it. Remember we had all the negative rates and all that stuff? All that happened was they everybody expanded their debt level. And now rates are rising and no one can afford the payment. Right? They didn't buy stuff with cash, they just borrowed it. 800-951-0592, the last show of the week coming up. Final segment on this Friday. Everyone have a great weekend. But before that weekend happens, make sure you got your house in order. Boeing aims to have a new facility in China ready to complete its 737 jets by the end of the year. Chief Executive Dennis Mullenberg said Wednesday that construction is almost completed on a finishing center near Shanghai that he said Boeing needs to compete with its rivals and, and he uh, suggested that uh, Boeing, 20% of all jetliner deliveries are now to China. This new facility will be installing seats and other things such as in-flight entertainment system, which has drawn scrutiny from President Trump as an example of U.S. jobs being moved overseas. The Boeing CEO, he doesn't see it that way. He says these facilities aren't a direct threat to U.S. jobs, and it's going to help protect and expand domestic employment. No, it's not. Obviously, if U.S. workers were putting in the seats and the entertainment systems, that would mean more people would be working. And, of course, here's the problem. We know it doesn't stop there. Right, it starts here. Right, currently uh, the 737s are assembled in Seattle, and then the planes will be sent to China for completion. And he said that uh, Boeing is following the guidelines from U.S. officials on potential airplane sales uh, and restricting sales to Iran. I'm sorry, I don't know why that was in this article. But they're talking about again. So here it is, right? We're trying to talk about trade and all of this stuff and try to get a fair deal. And, and Boeing's out to say, you know what? We don't care. Right? All we care about is we want to make more money. So therefore, ergo, here comes the Chinese Boeing plant. And again, right now they're just putting in the seats and they're putting in the entertainment centers. They got another facility where they spray the planes and all that stuff. And I mean, what's that? Right? I mean, I can just see it now. Hey, you know what, Boeing? Yeah, you need to start building them here. Yeah, you need to start building them here, uh, and then we need to take the technology so we can keep building our own. And uh, I don't know. I don't know where it ends. It's incredible when you think about it. Uh, Every U.S. company just deciding, doesn't matter, we don't care, this is where. You know, well, quite honestly, I, I can't blame Boeing. Right? I mean, that's the guy's job is to get a higher stock price, I guess. Right? You know, it doesn't matter. The American worker doesn't matter. And then they try to say, oh, no, we're protecting American jobs. Not really. Short term, maybe. 
Longer term, you think China's going to stop at seats in entertainment systems? 800-951-0592. Quick look here at the markets. Uh, Stock market now, about unchanged. Nothing really happening uh, too exciting in the stock market. Gold's up five and a half, 13.23 and change. Silver's at $16.42. 800-951-0592. Call and tell you what, whatever we've got left on these proofs, uh, proof one ounce American Gold Eagles, $1,400 $1,400 to the ounce until I'm out of them. 800 Have a great weekend. We'll see everybody next week.